lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV radio podcast. I am Steve Dace, Todd Erzin, and Aaron McIntyre. They are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And don't forget, you can find clips of this show that you can sample and then share with others at youtube.com slash Steve Dace. Also, don't forget, the best discount for Blaze TV ever. The cheapest subscription we've ever offered ever. This discount expires on Friday. So take advantage of it now. BlazeTV.com slash Dace, promo code Steve. $30 off an annual subscription comes out to about $5 and change a month to get everything, including today's overtime when we're going to discuss Rand Paul coming at Pope Fauci, the often wrong and overrated uh, during his Senate uh, testimony today. So, Biggest discount ever. $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV. It expires on Friday, though. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. Use the promo code Steve. Coming up here today, we're going to have a conversation about what's life really like in China, daily life. That We're going to take a look at that with Pop Culture Tuesday and see if we can piece together several sources of information to try to get some notion of what is really going on for everyday Chinese people, like everyday American people like us, in the aftermath of the virus there. And what that may or may not tell us about life returning here in the United States. We'll get to that in Pop Culture Tuesday. Also, for fake news or not, we mentioned this during yesterday's program. You're going to get a chance to see this now yourself if you've not yet watched it. The BBC going hard after Boris Johnson on lockdown saying, hey, and, and did you see his response today was to put out a 50, or yesterday, his response to this. Boris Johnson put out a 50-page proposal on on the UK's reopening. 50 pages, guys. Those must be some big letters, you know, reopen. How yeah. many letters is that? <laughs> well played, yeah. His response to the BBC attacking him for continuing the lockdowns was to put out a 50-pager, 50-page reopening plan so we're gonna let you see what the bbc did to boris johnson over the weekend because it is oh the after the the early warning signs are there chuck schumer dropped herbert hoover on trump yesterday who told you that that was going to happen pew's got a new poll out that shows minority jobs and, and and family budgets and incomes are just devastated by these lockdowns who told you that was going to happen the pivot is on its way It's on its way. And so we're going to give you a preview of what awaits Donald Trump and us here in the United States if we don't get him off his here in the next 10 minutes or so. That's coming up in Fake News or Not. Also, David Harsanyi over at National Review will join us and we're going to take a look at what did Obama know and when did he know it? This is the other big story going on in the country right now and and I've, I've paid some attention to it. Um, but at this point, I'm kind of of the mind that nothing else matters other than reopening, but this is a major story with what's going on with General Flynn. So we'll spend some time with it coming up here at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were locked down brought to you by being stuck in March. We're going to be helping Italy, Spain, 
France, other nations. And we're going to be helping them strongly. I think Russia is going to need ventilators. They're having a hard time in Moscow. We're going to help them. Those are comments from President Trump from yesterday's press conference on testing. Why we're still talking about ventilators in May is beyond comprehension. When will they open a cold case on the psycho Joe Scarborough matter in Florida? Did he get away with murder? Some people think so. Why did he leave Congress so quietly and quickly? Isn't it obvious what's happening now? A total nut job. Anywho, a new report is circulating that Dr. Deborah Burks of the White House Coronavirus Task Force is now openly questioning the CDC's guidelines for coding deaths, suggesting that they may be overcounting by 25%. She reportedly told others, quote, there is nothing from the CDC that I can trust, end quote. Dr. Anthony Fauci is set to testify in front of the Senate today, so hold on to your butts and get ready for some good panic porn. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo apparently has his whole virus problem under control because now he's taking extra caution to call the Wuhan coronavirus something different. When we started this, Yes, we have more cases than anyone else. Yes, we had this European virus attack us and nobody expected it. But we're not only going to change our trajectory, we're going to change the trajectory more dramatically than any place else. European virus. Well, okay. Speaking of Europe, Switzerland announced yesterday they're basically reopening their entire country, including their schools and their borders. Ohio's health department announced yesterday the discovery of five different cases of Wuhan coronavirus in five different areas of the state whose symptoms occurred in January. The results came from an antibody test in the state and means that the date of infection was probably sometime in early January or late December at the very latest. Remember when Liberty University reopened its campus and they were, of course, pilloried by the media and its own students for being reckless? Well, the school year is over and according to Jerry Falwell Jr., despite two surprise inspections by the Virginia State Health Department during the last couple of months, there have been exactly zero Wuhan coronavirus cases on campus. Twitter has announced it's going to start censoring information related to COVID-19. The company said in a statement, quote, people don't want us to play the role of deciding for them what's true and what's not true, but they do want people to play a much stronger role in providing context. Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf yesterday threatened to withhold aid to counties in his state who are reopening before he says they can. To those politicians who decide to cave into this coronavirus, they need to understand the consequences of their cowardly act. The funding we have put aside to help with fighting this crisis will go to the folks who are doing their part. And that includes our CARES Act funding, which will be used to support counties that are following the orders to prevent the spread and the medical communities who are treating patients. However, other discretionary funding won't go to counties that put us all at risk by operating illegally. To the politicians urging businesses to risk their lives and to risk the lives of their, their customers or their employees by opening prematurely, they need to understand that they are engaging in behavior that is both selfish and unsafe. Elon Musk says his company Tesla is restarting production of its cars in California despite California guidelines against doing so. Senator Chuck Schumer said this about President Trump. When President Trump says, oh, he's going to sit back and wait, when Leader McConnell says he doesn't see a real need at this moment, they're behaving like Herbert Hoover before the Great Depression. Uh, 
that sounds familiar. In other news, presumptive Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden is still answering questions about his sexual assault accuser, Tara Reid. Look, I think women should be believed they should have an opportunity to have their case and state it just forthrightly what their case is. Then it's the responsibility of responsible journalists like you and everyone else to go out and investigate those. At the end of the day, the truth is the truth. That's what should prevail. And the truth is, this never happened. Attorneys representing three female high school track athletes in their effort to bar biological males from competing against them filed a motion this weekend calling for the presiding judge to recuse himself after he forbid the attorneys from referring to the transgender athletes at issue as males. And finally, what happens when you believe everything the media tells you about coronavirus? The last thing you want is people to have the freedom to make their own choices and then experience the consequences of their choices. I think free will is a little bit of a sin. I don't think we should have it in the first place. Like You wouldn't give a razor blade to a three-year-old because it wouldn't be in their best interest. So you shouldn't give freedom to people either. All these Americans that want their freedoms are just ungrateful. I say if you don't like how things are going and you just want your freedom, then why don't you move to a free country like North Korea or Venezuela, you freaking heathens. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage brought to you by Brickhouse Nutrition. So unless you plan on self-isolating forever, you're going to need to be around other people again. One of the best ways to avoid getting sick is with a healthy immune system year-round, which is why you should be taking a look at Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition because one scoop of Field of Greens is a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables, which boosts energy and supports a healthy immune system. If you don't eat healthy and you're out of shape, your risk is higher. It's as simple as that. Plus, a diet uh, rich in fruits and vegetables can reduce risks of heart disease, hypertension, stroke, even cancer. Plus, Field of Greens is prebiotic, probiotic, and a great source of vitamins, fibers, and other nutrients. So if you want to save 15% off of your first order right now, you just mix it into any water-based drink, stir it, and you're good to go. All right, Field of Greens. Go to uh, BrickHouseSteve.com and use the promo code Steve. BrickHouseSteve.com. Again, that is BrickHouseSteve.com. And when you use the promo code Steve, you're going to save 15% off your first order. And then if you decide to subscribe to it, they'll give you 10% off every month too. So 15% off your first order, 10% every month if you decide to subscribe at BrickHouseSteve.com, promo code Steve. All right, let's let's get to what's going on in the uh, montage. And... Why are we talking about? I'm just going to go down as many of these in order as I possibly can because I think I think today's everything deserves being touched on. So I'm just going to rapid fire as much of this as I can, then I'll let you guys talk. All right. Um, why are we talking about ventilators? It's May 12th, man. I mean, it. it I, I just we're getting into McFly territory with Trump now. Is, is this hello McFly? Is this on? I mean, I, I don't, and, and if you want to know, because I'm getting some of you that are staunch advocates of the president and that's okay. Well, you know, the governors really lead on this. That's not true. They, they lead the process, but they don't lead on the principle. And, 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 and I'm going to skip in, in, a, a little bit down Aaron's rundown to connect some dots here. Why do you need Donald Trump kicking the tires and lighting the fires right now? When it comes to reopening the country and using the power of the bully bully pulpit, ask all those Trump voters. 
that switched from Obama to Donald Trump in the state of Pennsylvania and won him that state as the first Republican to win that state since 1988. The state that basically clinched the presidency for Donald Trump, Pennsylvania. I mean, Republicans have been trying for almost 30 years to unlock Pennsylvania, trying to figure out how can a state that basically is two cities and then the rest of the state is Alabama. Why can't we win this state? Rick Santorum can get elected senator statewide. We can elect Republican governors. Why can't Republican presidents win win this state? Republicans have spent millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of dollars trying to unlock Pennsylvania electorally in presidential elections. And it wasn't until Donald Trump came along that they finally did. So go ask all those people. If you're one of those folks right now that's mad at me, for putting the pressure on the president to step up here and want to deflect the blame and say, well, the governor's lead. Go talk. Well, you can't. They won't let you in because they're quarantined. But if you could reach them, go talk to some of those Pennsylvania voters that delivered that state for Donald Trump in 2016 because they're all, a bunch of them are not all emailing, but it seems like they all are right now. The reason that's in the montage today is because the amount of people who emailed me from Pennsylvania, can you help our state put a national spotlight on it, please? We're getting crushed here by this joke of a Marxist governor we have. And you make it with the president refusing to step forward and using the power of the bully pulpit to pick up the flag and charge into the battle. You make it easier on men like Tom Wolf to do the petty, gross tyranny they're doing. Now threatening to withhold people their own money? It's their money, dude. Not yours. It's theirs. If you won't let me violate your constitutional freedoms, I won't give you the money you gave from me, which we stole from you, is essentially the argument in his clip. And so, yeah, it does matter. It does matter that the president's up there talking about ventilators yesterday, like it's May 12th or March 12th, not May 12th. While a bunch of his people in that state that delivered him the presidency have got, the, have got Tom Wolf's boot on their throats right now. Hell yeah, it matters. They need him. Because him off whatever, whatever fanciful missives Jared and Burks and, and, and Fauci have whispered in his ear today. While he's off distracted by that. The sunlight and pressure that could be placed on men like Tom Wolf. I remember what happened when he just tweeted out one time, resist or whatever it was about Michigan, and that state just blew up. Do you remember that? Don't tell me he's powerless here. You're lying to yourself. And if he's powerless here, if he's powerless to address the greatest crisis and threat to our freedom and liberty that I've ever lived through in my 46 years on this, on, on this earth, if he's powerless to address that, then what the hell was the point of voting for him at all then? At this point, Anthony Fauci threatens to do to his presidency what Russian collusion, Bob Mueller, Bob Sch- Chuck Schumer, whatever the hell their names are, Adam Schiff, CNN, name it, couldn't do. So yes, it matters. There's a lot of Trump voters right now in Pennsylvania that would love to have their general charging into the battle, coming over the top, 
fighting for them in the arena of ideas, pushing the ball down the field, giving them encouragement, clearance, backup, and he's not. So it matters. Um, the Ohio antibody test. So a strict serology prevalency test can't really tell you an infection date with somebody. Most of the time is my understanding. Which means, and they didn't say, by the way, that what they did was a strict serology prevalency test like what Stanford was doing and other places have done. They haven't said that. So if I had to guess how Ohio knows from antibody testing that five of its counties have cases going back to at least January in Ohio. If I had to guess, and it would be a very educated one, because this kind of testing is also going on around the country. If I had to guess what happened is, they ended up with a higher percentage of antibodies statewide than they thought, especially in several counties that aren't reporting very many cases. And so they went back to those counties, to those samplers, and they attempted to do contact tracing to try to figure out. Remember, we had the email the other day from the gentleman whose boss is a major corporate CEO and has had health issues and tested positive for COVID-19 antibodies. And so they tried to figure out, hey, where could he have been exposed? That's my guess what's going on in the state of Ohio. And because I know this is happening in other states. And so that's how they were able to use the antibody testing to identify. Because one thing you're going to want to know if you're, well, <laughs> let me, can I, I, I got to step back from the brink. If you're virtually every other infectious disease minister in, a, in the world, except the one we have, the one we have doesn't want to know these things for whatever reason. Anthony Fauci doesn't want to know. Wants to go up there and say, we don't know that children can't be infected while all... While freaking France is sending the kids back to school, okay? The kids are back to school in Wuhan, China. So every other chief infectious disease expert in the world, in the freaking world. They hate the kids, Steve. Apparently hates children except the one we have, okay? Everywhere else they're trying to get answers to these questions, except the guy we have doesn't seem to be interested too much in it. But everybody else, everywhere else, they want to know. They want to know this stuff. And so what's happening is when they run into situations where they're having higher antibodies than the actual testing is showing up, they want to find out, well, then what's the rate of asymptomatic infection? Why is the rate of asymptomatic infection important? Because the very beginning, what did we lock this thing down for? That what was going to cause the overrunning of the healthcare system? Asymptomatic spread, right? That we would go to all these events, the healthy people would, and 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 get this virus, and then take it home to the sick people, and the system would get overrun, right? Yep. That was the so we had to we had to flatten the curve that was going to be caused by asymptomatic spread. So now, if they if they have antibody testing in there, and 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 the asymptomatic spread is much higher than they thought going in and then it's much higher than their reported cases this is good news because it means asymptomatic spread is not as is not the the captain trips trigger mechanism of this virus and one way you need to do this is verify this well where would you have gotten this was it community spread did you, did you attend an event somewhere else how did it get to our state 
And so that's how I would guess Ohio knows that it has at least five counties with coronavirus cases going back to January based on antibodies because the prevalency was so much higher than the current testing numbers. And they went back to those samplers to try to figure out where did you get exposed? When did that happen? When did your, you know, were you around anybody with symptoms? Were you hospitalized for something else? Did you visit somewhere over the wintertime, et cetera? Liberty University. Down the memory hole we go. <laughs> no, well, hold on. I just smoldering pile of ash, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Gosh, yes. I'm good at this. So we've got, let's see. Uh, just a reset. Yeah. Florida spring breakers doing uh, body shots off butt cracks. Smoldering we're, pile of ash. That was yeah. going to create a smoldering pile of ash, correct? Right? Okay. Wisconsin Bing. holding election that almost a half a million people went outside to vote in around the state. That was going to create smoldering ash, right? Extinction That's level event. Thank yeah. you very much. Okay. Um, Liberty let all the students back. All right. Um, and that was going to create an extinct. And, and remember the stories, 12 positive cases tested right away and everything. Right, right. All right. Um, and and so that's that was number three. Uh, then there was Georgia. By the way, Johns Hopkins today in its COVID-19 email to its mass list. It appears that uh, Georgia has uh, is on the other side of its spike and is clear and good to go. When this is all over, <laughs> you Steve, don't say. I cannot wait to drive cross country and visit all the smoldering pile of ash monuments. That is going to be what, breathtaking. Dude, holy crap! There needs to be. If Gaston and Tyler are listening to this right now, we we need to have the the Blaze needs to rent us a bus, and we go around the country on the Steve Day Show smoldering ash oh. tour live yes. on location. To every place that was going to be smoldering ash. I mean, okay. Apparently, George's experiment in human sacrifice didn't turn out so well. They're, they must they must be the worst Molech worshippers ever. Yeah, they suck at that. So Georgia not smoldering ash. Florida not smoldering ash. Wisconsin after allowing an election not smoldering ash. Should should we continue? Liberty University now reaches the list of not smoldering ash. Not one, but two. Ralph Northam surprise blackface special uh, gotcha inspections where they just showed up on campus, just start randomly testing people, not once, but twice. Nothing. No zombie apocalypse? Nothing. Nothing at all. Amazing. Man, I have had my issues the last few years with the depths of of Jerry Falwell Jr.'s uh, Trump slobbering. But I'm, I'm, I mean, King Kong ain't got nothing on him right now. Nothing. Frankly, now I'm kind of hoping all that slobbering pays off. And, that, and, the, and, the, and the president over there in that Oval Office we're trying to wake up right now, maybe he'll listen to his boy, Jerry, about what he's actually done right there in the heart of, of, uh, of Governor Blackface country. Have you noticed every time the bluff is called, every single time? Have you noticed this trend, ladies and gentlemen? Every time the bluff is called on this virus... The virus folds. Have you noticed this? Every time. Sweden calls the bluff, fold. Switzerland calls the bluff, fold. Denmark calls the bluff, fold. Japan calls the bluff, fold. Georgia calls the bluff, fold. Liberty calls the bluff, fold. Wisconsin voters call the bluff, fold. That's just anecdotal, Steve. That, Is it peer-reviewed? We have not peer-reviewed this. 
every time the virus's bluff is called, or maybe it's not the virus as much as the panic porn's bluff is called. Every time, because I think the, the virus does, it's not even a living organism. It doesn't care, okay? Every time the panic porn bluffs is called, it folds, which is why they quintuple down. Because this isn't about a virus. And maybe for a couple of weeks in March, it actually was. But it hasn't been about that for an awful long time. It's about everything else now. I mean, everything we predicted for you is happening now. Schumer rolling out the Herbert Hoover talking point. Herbert Hoover actually brought the full coercive power of government, raised taxes. Smoot-Hawley is considered one of the worst pieces of legislation in American history, like with the Alien and Sedition Acts. Made it all worse. The saying bad Republicans lead to or worse Democrats that we coined on this show. Hoover was the first. He brought government in in a panic to fix everything. It broke it all the more, which set the stage for the proto-welfare state we now know as the New Deal that came after. Smoot-Hawley was his lockdown panic move. Herbert Hoover did everything that people like Chuck Schumer want the government to do. And it made it worse. But that's all right. I mean, these people don't let a simple thing like facts and the truth get in the way of their narrative. It's just, what you know, I thought the president was supposed to get in the way of their narrative. Where's he at? Gentlemen, your thoughts. We live in a failed state. Oh, that's exactly right. That's at, every, at every turn, every turn, the White House, Congress, science, journalism. It, it's, it, there, there's... There's no there there everywhere. And that's what's really settling in for me after now a couple months of doing this. When Steve says what it hasn't been about a virus for two weeks, he's absolutely right. It, it's about you. It's just about you now. Who you are, where you think you live, what you're willing to stand for and tolerate. If you want warm fuzzies instead of the truth, it's just about you. And the great thing, we still live in a country where that's a, an utter blessing that has not been taken. You get to decide still. You're in charge of this game show. And if you choose to go the way that the founders promised you would never work whatever fate you have to accept when you look your children in the eye and they ask you mommy and daddy why don't you dare blame anybody but yourself you're doing this yeah walking around the mall last night with my wife just because we wanted to and haven't been able to actually do anything really in public for uh, months now but they did allow the malls to reopen and walking by an open store and then walking by five more that were closed and dark and nobody there. I mean, it was just, it was, it was surreal. I mean, you're, you're walking around waiting for a zombie to pop out behind a mannequin or behind the, the, the little water fountain or behind the, the massage chairs. That's, that's what it, that's what it seemed like. But that mall, empty, depressing, 
that's basically a picture of what most of America has bought into, I would say, or at least a sizable vocal portion of America has become or allowed themselves to become or has just been revealed over the last two months. Empty, hollow, running around like uh, running around like uh, we're about to enter a zombie apocalypse, listening to the latest panic porn from Dr. Fauci. There's no there there is what I'm trying to say, at least with too many people, too many of our countrymen. I made this remark, I think, two weeks ago, that if we lived in a functioning, a non-failed state, if you will, if we lived in a functioning, healthy society, 15 days to slow the spread, maybe we would have gone there, but after the 15 days, it's back to work, get busy living or get busy dying. That's what would have happened in a healthy, functioning society. Here we are coming up on two and a half months later, at least, if not more. Two and a half uh, months of the beginning of the panic porn. Two months of the, of the lockdowns. And we're still debating. We're still having some of the same debates. We're still talking about this. I was wishing that we could have gotten back to talking about the transgender lawsuits out of Connecticut. That would have been nice. Those seem like luxuries now. But we're still waiting to get under release. And it would have happened faster. But it's happening at least. It's because, as Todd said, we live in a failed state. Part of that failed state is the so-called deep state. And we will discuss that next. So here's something you may not know about your dog's food, that dry kibble stuff. You know there's nothing alive in it. Food like that has to have a long shelf life, so the manufacturers sterilize it. The result is that your dog isn't getting all the nutrients it needs to live a happy, healthy life. And that's why Rough Greens was developed, a premium dog food supplement. It's not a dog food. It's a powder that you sprinkle on your dog's food that apparently tastes really good because our dog, Cap, absolutely loves it. And it contains a massive amount of vitamins, minerals, digestive enzymes, probiotics, even omega oils and antioxidants. These are the things that improve digestion, support healthy skin and coat, give your dog that youthful energy, improve mobility, joint health, etc. And again, best of all, apparently it tastes great because my dog loves it. So if you want to take the Rough Greens 14-Day Jumpstart Challenge today for your pet, it's just $14.95. You can see the difference in your dog in 14 days or less. Right now for $14.95, when you go to roughgreens.com slash blaze, that's R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's roughgreens.com slash blaze. Well, a lot of the people that have been utilizing and foisting upon you uh, the panic porn when it comes to coronavirus that we have spent the past couple of months on this show pushing back on with maximum prejudice. I'm sure it's, it's a mere coincidence. I'm sure that it is. That many of those exact same people currently peddling panic porn were also involved in peddling Russian collusion, uh, what went on with General Flynn, etc., Somebody who's been writing a lot about this is our old friend David Harsanyi, now with National Review, and he's back with us here on The Blaze, on The Steve Day Show. David, it's good to see you again, brother. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. So, David, can you give uh, our audience just sort of, let's start with an elevator pitch 
overall perspective on where this story is at now since uh, General Flynn was exonerated, since the Department of Justice uh, ended up vacating the case? What's happened since that's occurred? What, what else do we know now? What else do we know? Well, I mean, I think it fits into a larger story that's coming together that has to do with fabricated evidence in, in, in FISA warrants that has to do with um, the, 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 the idea, or not the idea, the fact that the entire investigation into Russia collusion was propelled by a fabulous document that uh, had in itself Russian disinformation in it. And I think that, that when you view it all as, you know, holistically, you see that, you know, you understand better why, um, you know, they had to railroad Flynn to keep the, this investigation going. So, I mean, I think I see it in that way. Of course, there's also the reaction to 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 it from the left and from Russia collusion truthers, which is to say, you know, he's guilty anyway. It doesn't really matter what the administration says, but I don't think it's going to be that easy anymore moving forward. You know, I had, a, I, I had a fascinating conversation with my mom about this on Mother's Day. All right. And um, she has not been following this story as much as what's going on with the virus, obviously. And so what I mentioned to her, because I, I was one of those people that was originally like, I don't know what the facts are. I mean, he pled guilty. How can I, how can I want Michael Flynn to be more innocent than he does? Right. I mean, he pled guilty. So what, what would I know beyond his own guilty plea? And so when they, when these, when these archives get, uh, when they get declassified and I'm reading through these, this, what's in these things myself, and you start reading stuff like literally in, in, in their handwritten, uh, notes. I mean, you got FBI agents saying, you know, are we trying to just, you know, catch him in a lie? Are we trying to get him to commit a crime? What's the point of what we're, I mean, this is classic language of entrapment and they're writing it down in their case file. Like if I wrote a fiction book. And that's how the conspiracy was unveiled. And I sent that to a publisher. They were like, uh, th that's that plot lines from the third grade. You got to come up with something more complicated. No one's going to be that dumb and just write that in their case file notes. My mom thought there's no way this is possible. So I sent her the actual files and she was incredulous that they actually were this ham fisted with this stuff. Have you gotten some more reactions like that from people? Uh, the more and more we're learning about this story. Yeah, I mean, I think it even myself in the beginning, you know, it's like you you have a certain amount of trust for the institutions we have and you just don't you can't imagine them doing something like this, as you just sort of laid it out. It's just beyond parody. It's it's, you know, not only, you know, the thing you just mentioned with the, uh, you know, writing about how they want to make him lie to entrap him, but then. FBI agents writing down that they didn't even think that he tried to mislead them. I mean, this is just a conversation. And then you have, you know, President Obama calling it perjury, which I see quite often on social media, which it wasn't. He wasn't under oath. He didn't even know he was under investigation. Now, there's another aspect to this where people are like, well, this happens all the time. We're always, you know, strong arming and railroading people so that they can, you know, we can use them in broader investigations. Well, I don't think that's okay either. Not right. if it's, it's blatant. The defense is the, the defense is we treat people this shabbily all the time. Right. <laughs> that's your defense. I mean, that I, mean, that, I just, I, I can't even envision that that's your defense. That, hey, yeah, well, I mean, this is SOP around here. Okay. And this is what we do to drug dealers and terrorists. You know, that's what, you know, someone told me. I mean, first of all, this is a decorated 
general, right? Lieutenant general. He's not a drug dealer. He's not involved in some larger conspiracy. They already had the transcripts of the calls he had with the Russian ambassador. They knew that he didn't undermine American interests, whatever that would mean, which is itself subjective. They knew that he didn't promise them anything. And yet they still move forward. I mean, to me, this is just it's it's a it's a massive scandal and uh, just the whole thing. And this is just a, a small part of it. So to me, I think there are two questions that need to be answered moving forward then. Number one, is there any way possible trying to be as fair as we possibly can? Because we're also living in a time, I know this seems like it was 27 years ago now, but it was only in January and February that we watched Democrat presidential debates where they made Barack Obama look like he was with the John Birch Society. Okay, I mean, they couldn't trash his legacy enough. I mean, they, I mean, he hadn't gone far enough. I mean, he was like, he might have, might have changed his name to Zell Miller. All right, when you watch those Democratic debates, right? So right. with all that being said, is there any way possible that this all went down without him knowing it as the president of the United States at the time? Uh, no, I mean, I don't again, I don't I don't I don't want to go down the road of, uh, you know, the Russian collusion people. And just because I don't like President Obama, assume the worst. But he was obviously, as um, you know, privy to some of what was going on, um, though, though it'd be nice if someone with access to President Obama would actually ask him a question about this. We also have Joe Biden, who did win those debates in the end who claims to be the heir of, of the Obama administration's legacy, who was also probably privy to this stuff. So that would be a good question to ask him as well. Uh, I'm not holding my breath on that either. But um, again, I'm, I'm not saying that President Obama did something criminal, but clearly he knew about this. But other people have. They abused their power clearly in, in many different areas. This is a there's a, there's already a lot more evidence that there was wrongdoing in the Obama administration than there was evidence to start an investigation into the Trump campaign. And uh, the, but the media, of course, is not very curious about this. Instead, they're like, what crime did President Obama commit? I mean, it's not that simple to explain, obviously, but there was, I think, criminality. When uh, a couple summers ago, when uh, Congressman uh, Nunez and, uh, and Schiff put out their competing memos, about the narrative surrounding Russian collusion and et, et cetera. And we read through them both here on the show and took our audience through them in real time and gave our own takes on them in real time. And the, and the part of Congressman Nunez's memo that, that gave me, that I was the most uh, troubled by at the time, David, as someone who did not until really the, the last piece of evidence was in buy into right away immediately that this was just a conspiracy to get Trump. I, I, I just, I needed to see more facts than just, you know, a partisan talking point. And the part of Nunez's memo a couple of years ago that really bothered me was that, that he said the FBI had suspected, I think it was Mr. Papadakis or Papadopoulos was who they suspected of being a Russian agent in the Nunez memo and that they were monitoring his interactions with the Trump campaign. And, right. and what I said to my audience at the time was, did they tell the Trump campaign this? Because if, if, if you did and the Trump campaign didn't take it seriously, that would lead to one, you know, obviously uh, troubling conclusion, right? But if you never did, that would lead to another troubling conclusion. And it, it, it appears here that at no point in time did the, was the Trump campaign from the FBI or anybody else given any form of a benefit of the doubt 
that everything was treated with the the best you can say if you don't buy into this was to you know a, a soft coup conspiracy the best i think you can come up with if you piece this together is that just this was all operated under the the utmost suspicion and sinister narrative the entire time when they were reading through these events and trying to piece them together what are your thoughts on that well we know that the papadopoulos um hard hard name to say that his that the that the um, warrants to look into his actions, they had already, even in those warrants, the FBI noted that they withheld um, contradicting evidence. So, you know, let's put it this way, FISA, FISA courts basically perfunctorily give you what you want if you're the FBI like 98% of the time or more. But yet the FBI constantly had to fabricate or evidence or or leave out evidence to, to try to get these warrants, which tells me something was wrong with the case to begin with. But um, yeah, I mean, I remember when the Nunes memo came out and there was this huge reaction from the press, you know, attacking him. Now, listen, I'm not saying he's the per- a perfect congressman in every way, but I remember writing a column saying maybe we should just look into this before we simply dismiss that this can happen. And I you know, remember getting a lot of blowback for that. Not that I was, you know, I was still unsure about what had gone on and I still leaned towards believing the FBI. But um, clearly he was onto something and Schiff has been lying the whole time. I mean, Adam Schiff has been lying about everything in his memos, in his press conferences. Two years ago, he said he had empirical evidence of, of collusion, yet he has not provided that. But yet we, you know, we can continue moving forward. At least half half the world or half of America moves forward as if nothing happened. Um, and now, you know, the Brian Stelters of the world and others say, you know, why are you even talking about this in the middle of coronavirus after they spent four years of hysterical coverage over it? It's just it's this is just amazing to me. Well, that's the segue to the other big question. I got about two minutes here. Is anybody going to be held accountable for this just beyond a public outing? What, what What is the accountability mechanism? Because you mentioned Congressman Schiff and lying. It appears that either he has yet, there's only two options that I can piece together here. Either he has yet to produce evidence that he never did through not one, but two different impeachment tribunals, uh, both the Russian collusion narrative and the Ukrainian one. So either he's yet to come forward with evidence that he never had, never did at the time when it would have benefited him, or he was not just lying about this, but knew that he was lying about this. He, he was, he was literally to use an old Testament term here. He was literally out there bearing false witness, knowing the exact opposite was the case. So is anybody yeah, going to be held accountable for this whatsoever? No, I mean, not not politicians, because, you know, they, they, they answer to the electorate and he's probably in a super safe district in Hollywood or wherever he's from. So I don't think politicians will be. And I'm, 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 I'm skeptical that anyone will be. I mean, you have a media that I'll just take CNN, for instance, that ran a bunch of stories, big scoops. There were huge stories that that helped, um, you know, mold the narrative that helped, you know, convince people that the Russians had stolen this election from us. And yet. Uh, they were completely wrong. Some of them were were just conspiracy theories, and they have never. No one has. Not a journalist has paid a price for that that I know of. They've never explained why it happened or how it happened, or how they could, these sources got everything so wrong. So it, there was no. No one's going to pay there, and I don't think in the end, especially if Biden wins the election, that anyone's going to pay. But I, I just don't. I don't see anyone actually paying a price for this, even, other than an even, outing, which even, is important. Even in, in uh, Attorney General Barr's DOJ, you don't see them coming forward with anything. Uh, I mean, I, I should say that, that that perhaps some 
people who who acted some poorly in the past might might be fired. That could happen, but I don't think it's going to be any of the major players. No. Well, do you do you disagree? No, I I don't. That's that's one of the reasons I also didn't get. I don't just I I can't let myself get so fixated on stories like this because I have no confidence that even after the truth comes out, anything will happen. And then I feel like all we just did was you know sound fury signifying nothing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, in the end. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I was, I, I was never offended by the locker up chance. I just didn't think we were going to actually do it. Okay. And so that's my frustration. I, I'm fine with, you know, you get a cell and you get a cell and you get a cell. I'm totally fine with it. I just, I don't. Just because, just because Nixon didn't go to jail didn't mean that the story was important, right? To, to, and I'm, I'm just not trying to pick on Nixon, but the sto- meaning that I think history matters and, and, and finding the truth in that mm-hmm. sense matters because these people have legacies and uh, they're part of a political party and, and that, you know, it's important to make sure that in the end we get to the truth to some extent. But here's where here's where that does matter, though, for consequences. It just incentivizes it to get worse and worse and worse over and over and over again when you're allowed this level of political skullduggery uh, to the point of of. Of, of what went on here and there's no accountability. I don't know why you wouldn't just keep doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down over and over and over again until finally one time it lands. I don't know why you wouldn't do that either. Yeah, no, you're right about that. All right. Good stuff. David Arsani over at National Review. Appreciate your work, brother. Thanks for joining us today on The Blaze. Thanks for having me. Anytime. You bet. Gentlemen, you have any thoughts? Same as last segment. We live in a failed state. No consequences for something that is now being called... Obamagate. We, you know, we... Like, why is, why is Julie Swetnick a free person? Do you know why? Any number of... Republicans are constantly guilty of... Ha- you know, they're guilty of a lot of stuff, but along the things Steve's talked about, you know, ultimately getting nowhere, just words, 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 words. But, you know, we, we're supposed to go to jail. We're racist all the time. We have binders full of women. We are constantly under indictment. We know these people are criminals. And nothing will happen. That's a failed state. We say this in relation to judicial supremacy all the time, but it applies here. I think the answer is why the the answer to this this entire topic and why anyone won't be held accountable is because of this. We are not a nation of laws and we never have been. We're a nation of political wills and we always will be. That's the answer here. These people never get held accountable because we lack the political will to actually make that happen. It's it's really, it, you know, um, we uh, whether it's because we want the clicks, we want to get our jollies off on owning the libs. I mean, this is I don't need to say this. It's this is this is a huge freaking deal. At be. least it should be. Yeah. Yes. And for whatever reason, we just we've we've covered this or certain outlets have covered this for years and yet there's still not going to be any accountability other than uh, people having their pants pulled down and then, oh, uh, what's next on Owl My Balls tonight, basically. <laughs> Cannot make enough idiocracy references as far as I'm concerned. All right, we're going to come back with hour two. Fake news or not, the BBC goes after Boris Johnson on lockdowns. Stay tuned. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin and all of you. 888-900-3393 is the number. Steve at stevedace.com. 
is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And you can also get uh, samples of this show at uh, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. If you're a podcast subscriber, thank you. If you haven't yet done so, please, though, leave us a five-star review because the more of those we get, the more it helps the show to grow. And we would be very, very appreciative. It just takes a couple minutes of your time. And we more of us have more free time right now than we've had in quite a long time. So now's the time to take advantage of that. Thank you to all of you that have left us one of those five-star reviews already. Let's please keep those coming. All right, coming up at the bottom of this hour, Pop Culture Tuesday is going to look at what is pop culture life like in China right now? It's the second largest pop culture market in the world next to these United States. So what is daily life like there? What's available to them? What is not? And we're going to take a look at that and see what it may or may not tell us about what is going to happen or about to happen or not happening uh, here in the United States. Uh, before we get to all of that, though, fake news or not, brought to you by Keeps. Kyle and Josh were both losing their hair. No shock since the dreaded male pattern baldness gene ran in each of their families. But the way they dealt with their hair loss could not have been more different. Kyle kept putting off getting a hair loss treatment, losing more hair by the day, while Josh went to Keeps to learn how to keep his hair because Keeps offers the generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products. Therefore, they're the real deal. And the generic versions Josh had saved him a fortune as well. And all it took was a quick online consultation. He answered a few questions, snapped a few pics of his hair, and then a doctor evaluated everything and recommended the right FDA-approved hair loss treatment for Josh. Then it was shipped discreetly to his door, which meant Keeps allowed him to keep his hair without ever having to leave his couch. And right now, you can get half off your first order if you want to do the same. Half off your first order right now. That's right, half off. When you go to keeps.com slash grow, that's keeps.com slash grow. So yesterday, I thought we had a tipping point moment and still do. Yesterday was the day that the lockdown narratives collapsed all over the world, really. So many stories kind of converged at once to do so. Um, But one of the tipping point moments that stood above most of the others is what took place in the UK where their version of the Washington Post New York Times. I mean, this is refined. This isn't, you know, uh, it's it's not Joy Reid, Don Lemon. This is the BBC, right? So it's a refined institutional bias. But it is a left-wing institutional bias. (laughs) Nevertheless, they just have cooler accents and sound smarter, okay, than what often shows up in our cable news networks here in the States. And they went hard after the conservative prime minister, Boris Johnson, who you have to understand, conservative in the UK right now means you're Mitt Romney for Brexit. That's what it means. Okay. But by the BBC standards, Boris Johnson is certainly the conservative in that binary choice. And they went hard after him calling BS on the lockdowns in the UK. We're going to look at five clips from this documentary and discuss them for fake news or not. Are these legitimate criticisms? And are they the preview of a pivot that will soon start haunting Donald Trump here in the US if he doesn't get off his rear end? Watch clip one. We are being guided by the science. 
be guided by the science at all times. We followed the science throughout this, building on that science. We will be relying, as ever, on the science to inform us as we have from the beginning. Follow the science, they say, as if the science is a certainty. But the science isn't always straightforward and can be complex. Who you choose to listen to or how you interpret it can take you in different, deeply political directions. And it's off the back of the science that politicians are making important decisions, the rights and wrongs of which are being scrutinised now and will continue to be in the future. But what we can ask is whether the science informing those decisions is the most appropriate and complete. I was an editor on a medical journal for many years and my first big investigation was trying to make sense of something that happened in the UK around 10 years ago. The viral invader. H1N1 swine flu is spreading faster than many thought possible. On that occasion, the models put together to try to predict how the outbreak would unfold had said up to 65,000 people could die of swine flu. But in the event, there were 500 deaths. So with COVID-19, as so much was being invested in the work of some of the same people at Imperial College London, it made me wonder how they'd worked out that up to 500,000 people in the UK could die. So there's the setup, pointing out Imperial College's, shall we say, spotty record with its previous pandemic model for H1N1. They bring out an absolutely gorgeous health correspondent to instantly get your attention. She's in the empty streets of London, businesses closed in broad daylight, nothing happening in one of the bustling metropolises metro, metropolises that we have uh, or metropolis I should say in the world and this is how they set the scene the audio you're hearing we're following the science we're following, that's all Boris Johnson talking that's his voice most of the clips most of the clips are yeah so your thoughts on the setup here gentlemen I, I just hey maybe Maybe eight weeks into this, we should ask some questions about Neil Ferguson and Imperial College. Boy, boy, that's a good idea. Yeah, we should ask some questions about that. Not all heroes have capes. Yeah. The packaging, it, it's good bef when it's Boris Johnson's voice specific, mm -hmm. and then afterwards when it's talking about the models then, the models now. But right in the middle of that, it's just a conversation, and it's like, um, you know, science requires interpretation and you shouldn't just use this magic word it's it called science and just believe it because they didn't use this word the experts have spoken don't believe that they just that's a grown-up conversation that was tucked in the middle of that mm -hmm. without any that's the most true thing to me if you're a grown-up you should understand that you're not a shaman if you're a scientist you know every single person who claims that mantle Sit down at, at Socrates' table. Explain yourself. Okay, I'll listen. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing. No one, from the beginning, on social media, trust the, that's how that's how Fauci yep. gained his demigod status. Trust the experts. Mm -hmm. That was stupid all the way along. Right away, they lay out the difference between science and scientism. Mm -hmm. That science is observational truth, right? Scientism is that science is revelationary. 
is, is, is revelational, I should say. That science is revelation. It conjures things. It makes things happen. That's what scientism says. Scientism says science is revelation. All right, and, and to, to, to put a finer point on, give you an example of what I mean. That it's not that Newton discovered gravity. He conjured it. We didn't know it was there and and he was the he was the shaman the, the prophet that revealed this truth to us. And these models to that point these yeah. models are like the herald camping of prophecy yes. like yes. it doesn't matter yes. how many times they fail. Oh, another one listen bow down. Yeah and and why do you think I why do you think I dunk on how Lindsay so often cuz it's this phenomenon. I mean how many times is this guy going to be wrong about predicting when Jesus comes back? I, I'm pretty sure the, if you're a solo scriptura person, doesn't the Bible have something to say about once someone gives a prophecy and it's false, don't trust them ever, don't trust them again, right? But people keep, they bought the second edition, the third edition. This is not any different than that. This is the same thing. All right, clip two. This was Boris Johnson speaking last week, five weeks into lockdown. It's thanks to that massive collective effort to shield the NHS that we avoided an uncontrollable and catastrophic epidemic where the reasonable worst-case scenario was 500,000 deaths. Sadly, there have been more than 30,000 deaths during this outbreak, far higher than 10 years ago. The Prime Minister has claimed that lockdown has prevented a much worse situation. This 500,000 figure is what the modelers predicted would happen if the epidemic were allowed to go unchecked, if we did not put measures in place to try to slow it down. This is the graph from the Imperial team, published on the 16th of March. It spans the period from March to October and shows deaths peaking in late May. But should the Prime Minister have ever been talking about this figure of half a million deaths? After the swine flu outbreak in 2009, the UK government's commissioned an independent report into how we responded. It was authored by Dame Deirdre Hine, former Chief Medical Officer of Wales. She said the term, worst case scenario, used by Boris Johnson, is unhelpful, given that it implies a reasonably likely event, rather than one that is extremely unlikely. Dame Deirdre's report also warned that ministers should not rely too much on models in the early stages of a pandemic when they are unreliable because of insufficient data. The tendency is for uh, politicians and the general public to be a bit dazzled by the um, opportunities that modelling uh, affords. I learnt that modelling was a very powerful tool but only if it had uh, testing and contact tracing uh, as its precursor and as it's uh, contributing into it. Um, I think uh, the tendency is that modelling over, overstates the possibilities of deaths in the early stages because they don't have that uh, on-the-ground intelligence. Let me translate what she said there. They don't have any data that are they're, they're, they're actually basing their assumptions off of. So this is literally all guesswork and projection. That, that's what she's saying. Okay? Because 
testing and contact tracing is how you would find out how many people have it. That's the first thing, testing, right? And then contact tracing would tell you where the people who have it got it, right? So ask yourself this question, folks. If they're doing models before we know who has it, and then before <laughs> we know where they got it, what are the models based on then? What, what information are they based on? What, what, what other two pieces of information could be more vital than those? Can you think of any piece of information more vital than knowing how many people have this and where, where would they get it from and where'd they get it? There is no other information. So this is just all guessing. That's what she's saying. Fake news or not? What do you think, guys? Oh, of course it's. Uh, I mean, it's true news. And, and when she she uses the term "people have a tendency," I think she said be bedazzled. See, yes. this is where it's not the expert. I mean, yeah, they're, they're liars, but you, you're culpable on this. And this is where these uh, these models are a perfect example of what I talk about with the gated community effect of people and the movie Wally about wh what we've become. We've just been shaped to need to see a narrative that demands the very least of us. That's never been the cause of freedom in this country and it never will be which means we don't have a cause of freedom we have a cause of slavery safety what have you but it's not freedom the, re the we can be so bedazzled by a narrative because we want to be we don't want to work for this anymore we want it to be on cruise control we want the gated community effect and so we deserve what we get moving forward unless we will totally transform ourselves again yeah, I want to put a finer point on the on the modeling here. An entire profession that relies upon modeling, uh, one of a, a few, but one that I think impacts each and every one of us on a daily basis is meteorology. That's completely reliant upon, well, good meteorology is reliant a lot on models. Now, how do they actually make models? Okay, if, if a meteorologist went outside, said, you know, it kind of feels warm and humid today. I see a, thunder, uh, a thunderhead over there. Uh, the wind is coming out of the east. Uh, I think that means that we're going to have uh, devastating F5 tornadoes tonight. Now, that could be true. That, that might be true. All of those things may, may or may not be indicative of coming uh, doom and, uh, and, and destruction in the form of a, of a deadly weather event. But is that a very educated guess? No, it's not. It's just a guess. A pretty bad one, actually. Instead, good modelers, and they're still even wrong. I mean, how many times uh, in a given week is your forecast for your local area actually wrong? By a lot. At least around here in the Midwest in springtime? It's wrong a lot. Sure. Um, but the good models actually rely on radar data, uh, historical evidence, just evidence of how weather and air patterns and air masses actually move around. It's all data that they can actually see because they have instruments with which to me measure things on the ground. The models that we got from the Imperial College were, uh, it kind of feels warm, uh, sun, or the, the wind is blowing out of the east, and so therefore 2.2 million dead. That's what that was. That would be like uh, the most irresponsible meteorologist doing right. that exact same thing. It would be like, hey, you guys should stop driving cars because we know what the temperature is going to be in 10,000 years. You know, if people made arguments based See, on that. See, nobody does. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, clip three. It's worth remembering the models were the basis of so many big decisions. The lockdown, schools closing, the NHS stopping doing swathes of its core services. Modeling can be extremely useful. 
but not in and of itself. It is completely dependent upon what you put into it, the data that underpin it. At the time the Imperial model was published, we were drawing on limited data, by and large coming out of China and Italy, both countries with different healthcare systems to the UK. But were scientists and politicians clear in how uncertain the data were? So I think when you give single figures, and particularly when it's like 510,000 when it was first uh, released, then that gives this notion of precision, it makes it sound like it's, you know, it's, a, it's a correct answer. I think it's actually beholden on, uh, uh, on people who are using uh, results from such uh, estimates, you know, politicians who are using those results, should also um, emphasise the uncertainty. But we've heard other numbers bandied about too. The Imperial model contained other predictions. It forecasts that a quarter of a million people could die in the UK if we had simply kept with the less restrictive measures like social distancing, hand washing and banning large gatherings. We then heard this from the government if we locked down. Uh, if we can keep deaths below 20,000, we will have done very well in this epidemic. We're now well past 20,000 deaths. Professor Carl Hennigan thinks the models might have been a blunt tool and distracted from our understanding. One of the key problems with models is they're generally derived on a very small piece of information and then extrapolated it to some point in the future. And if you did it differently, instead of deriving with a bit of information, you updated them regularly as new information emerged, you would start to see an incredibly different picture about what they predict. We would have seen the emerging problem in nursing home in the elderly and redirected where we go to. All right, we'll get through these final three quickly because I want the audience to hear them all and I'll let you guys comment at the end. All okay. right, but, but that clip right there, yeah, you have a professor of epidemiology at Bristol University, a professor for evidence-based medicine at Oxford University. When it, see, we're getting into the part of the, of, of the story. They could have done this on March 11th. They could have done it on April 11th. Why did they do it on May 11th? She told you when they played the clip of, of, of Boris Johnson's Fauci saying, well, if we keep this under 20,000 deaths, we'll be great. Now they're way past 20. So now, now that they can nail Boris Johnson with 30,000 deaths, that's what I think anyway, now we're going to tell the truth that we could have told you they could have all these same experts. I've read some of these names. I've read some of their stuff. These people would have said this on March 11th and April 11th. Oxford came out and questioned the Imperial College model the next week. Remember that? They could have done this before, but they had to wait and get their talking point. Like, I believe your media is waiting to get to 100,000 American deaths. And that's when they're going to make this pivot, I think. Let's get to clip number four. It was the model, perhaps aided by scenes of overwhelmed hospitals in Italy, that ushered in the lockdown. And there are many who think we locked down too late. But there are also those, including some who advise the government, who question whether we really fully considered the impact of locking down rather than being less severe in our approach, like Sweden has been. I think if the government had been perhaps more on the front foot at the beginning, uh, that might have been a sustainable strategy. Uh, as it was, I think the uh, they got rather blown off course by the, the pressure from social media, from mainstream media as well, uh, to 
with the question about why are we not doing what everybody else is doing. And I think there were genuine questions about the uh, strategies that were adopted by uh, some of our European neighbours, which never really got properly debated uh, because of the the overwhelming noise from the the social media channels. This, this is like this, this is one of my favorite parts of the whole. This is like the the coach a week after a game that they lost, you know, sixty nine to nothing, saying, you know what, we we probably I probably should have pushed back on our on our owner who called in from the luxury box and said that you know I should probably I, I should substitute my left tackle for my kicker, you know that type of thing. Uh, maybe we shouldn't have our kicker playing left tackle. This is like that, like a week after a week after the uh, millions of job losses. You know what? These didn't really get debated properly. And and they bought into the, uh, the the panic porn from social media and main who what's the BBC guys and mainstream media says it's the mainstream media. BBC yeah. is the mainstream media in the UK they are they are the Senate in the UK they are all right they're not the lone outlet but they are essentially the preeminent outlet all right this is. The, and which, if you don't watch it on Blaze TV, we'll play you the video. The word Sweden comes across the screen like a Star Wars scroll. Mm-hmm. Like Sweden is like Valhalla. Like it's like it's heroic Sweden comes blaring up on the screen. And then the video of, of young people out and having meals and drinks in Stockholm. Right? At some level, this video <laughs> is demonic. It really is. All right. There's one more. One more clip. Here it is. There are some who point to the unintended effects of our policy. Anecdotally, we've already heard about people, including children, dying as they're too scared to go to hospital. A predicted 20,000 extra deaths from cancer and a big drop in A&E attendance. The latest ONS data suggests that 30% of excess deaths, so those over and above what you would normally expect to occur, did not have COVID on the death certificate. So the influential model in the UK policy, in the paper, they explicitly say, you know, we're not looking at other aspects of the intervention. I think it should be considered as lives versus lives because all aspects of people's lives are being uh, are being influenced and you know seriously uh, influenced by the intervention so th- there was no evident weighing up of that I, I, I don't know of any discussions where that was publicly made clear where, where the, that actual weighing up was actually presented to people I think that's a massive oversight that is not to say it was necessarily the job of the imperial model to assess the wider impact of different measures Perhaps these considerations have been explored, but not shared with the public. We're following the science, yet an important part of the equation appears to be missing. Clearly, there is a point at which the number of deaths being caused by the virus will be exceeded by the number of deaths that are being caused by the lockdown. Um, Going further forward, we can also consider the number of deaths that will result from the, the disruption to the economy and the impact of future levels of unemployment uh, and social disruption that uh, will occur over the next few years. So that's about 10 plus minutes of the BBC with a lot of very smart people and really cool accents and a complete smoke show health uh, medical correspondent hosting the feature doing a summation of what the last two plus months of the Steve Day show has been. And they could have done this feature 
on March 11th, April 11th. They could have done it May 1st. They could have done it the middle of April. They could have done it this entire time. If you have been listening to this show since the middle of March, you didn't hear anything there. You didn't already know. So, your ultimate fake news or not verdicts, gentlemen, now that we are through the entire thing. Todd, I'll let you go first. Well, now that we are at the end, uh, I, I do have to uh, point out some fake news and that don't come away from this, that this is a, a coronavirus runoff brought on by pressure and uncertainty. Because I love within this, the way they use language when they're not talking about specific coronavirus things, just the words they say, the framing, it's it's the crap we're drunk on all the time. And I love, the, the guy in the gray sweater, he used a very important word, and one I love. He used the word, what we're supposed to be, beholden to. So that, that higher order thinking the pursuit of truth for truth's sake and not an agenda. If we did that all the time, we wouldn't Brexit in their own country, for example. What were they beholden to then? If they were, they wouldn't they if they were really beholden to the truth, the country would have spoken and they would have moved on. But look, they were they were beholden to something different. What they were high on their own supply and their agendas. Look at transgenderism. The guy's like, did we weigh the evidence? And the, that one guy says, you know, we often take a, a very tiny sliver of something and turn it into something much bigger. That's transgenderism. That's what we do all the time. The reality that some people have problems, we turn it. Well, there's no such thing as gender. The language, the manipulation of, of, of philosophy and science and things like this. I mean, coronavirus is just the latest victim of the fact that our idols are this huge and shiny and we love them. I don't like the taste I, of this chocolate bunny. I just want to go on the record with that. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead, Aaron. Uh, this is... This is now the third time that I've watched this. This is straight up demonic. It really is. It really is. This what you've seen for the last two weeks. Wow, boy, did, did we actually do the right thing? Hmm, let's try some self-awareness. Um, <laughs> that is, I mean... Here's what's going to happen next. Self-awareness, what is it? Yeah, it's fake news because they could have, like you just said, they could have been asking this two weeks ago. Here's what's going to happen. And this is just going to happen like that, like a Thanos snap. You're going to wake up some morning. Joe Scarborough and Mika are going to be talking a, a lot about, oh, the unintended consequences of the lockdowns. 30 million unemployed. They're going to be sounding a hell of a lot like this show. Uh-huh. For the last two months. And then you'll get home from work and Jake Tapper with his nice patented furrowed brow will be looking into deaths of despair. How has America gone too far? Were we following the science after all? That's going to happen before you can say Fauci. They're going to the mainstream media is going to sound a lot like this show for the last two months. That's going to happen. Everything, almost everything, from a public policy or perception. Remember that. Remember that guy. I can't even remember his name now. That we warned you about about a month and a half ago. You know, we're just going to continue to tank the stock markets because because uh, this guy wants to oh, buy himself yeah, a hotel. The investor guy. And uh, story two weeks later. Yeah, this guy uh, bought up a bunch of shares in Marriott. Was it? Yes. Or was Marriott or Hilton? One of the two. Uh, yeah. Hilton. Yeah, yeah, it was actually Hilton. And then, uh, and then we had the uh, the clip of of uh, Senator Schumer 
March 21st, March 21st, earliest example I could tell of you bringing up uh, Trump being turned into to, to Hoover because of all this. And lo and behold, this morning, Chuck Schumer, well, this is uh, this reminds <coughs> me of when uh, when Hoover uh, preceded the Great Depression. That's going to happen very, very quickly. You're just going to wake up one morning and that's what it's going to sound like. And every single side, just like everybody has been playing both sides, we need more testing. Oh, we have more testing. There's more kits. Well, that means, or there's there's more positives. Well, that means we have to continue to lock things down. Uh, the both sides of every issue has been played by the left, by the powers that be, who want to take hold of this virus like the leches they are and use it for their own gain. The same people who are going to do that and been playing both sides are going to pin every side of this issue on Trump and every side of this issue on those who have any assent to have ever supported him on anything. Mark my words. 100% agree. 100% agree. They reached their magic number way past what the Johnson government said was going to be a victory. And once they did that, then they turned the tables. And the same thing's going to happen to to your guy when they get to 100,000 deaths if he doesn't get off his ass and get back to magging. All right? Pop Culture Tuesday. What is life like in China? What, what do the Chinese people have access to and don't? We're going to do our best to find that out when we come back. Stay tuned. If you're thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains and odors before you make that hefty purchase, you must try Genesis 950 because it's an amazing pet stain and odor remover and it's made in America. With water, Genesis 950 breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so that they are gone for good. And its antibacterial component uh, removes pet stains and odors from the carpet and the padding. That's the key is the padding. That's where the really nasty stuff hangs out even after the carpet looks clean up top. And it can be used in your carpet cleaning machines, and it's so green that it's safe for your families and pets as well. So Genesis 950, it's not just for pet stains. You can use it to clean everything in the house, including the nasty grease stains in the garage and the really nice quartz and granite in the bathrooms and kitchen. But where it really shines, and you have to try it, is as a pet stain and odor remover in your carpet. Before you make that big purchase, give Genesis 950 a try. We'll even give you a discount when you use the promo code Blaze. Promo code Blaze for a discount when you go to Genesis950.com. That's Genesis950.com, promo code Blaze. Let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday, shall we? And the question that I would like us to try our best to answer, and I, I spent some time doing some research on this the past couple of days. What is daily life like in China? What, what's going on there right now? I'm kind of surprised you did this. Say that again. We do my God. I'm kind of surprised you did this. Why? Because of what it was going to do to your blood pressure. <laughs> yeah, it didn't help. <laughs> it didn't help. I don't think it yeah, would. Yeah, it, it didn't help. All right. Because what I found, and we're going to go through these and discuss them uh, here and show them to the audience. What I found not using Chinese sources. Okay. Um, you're going to realize we're being bed intruded here. We are so dumb for real. All right. So if you lived in China right now, what would your daily life be like? Let's take these stories one by one. Okay. Variety is reporting 
that on Friday night, uh, China's top administrative body, I believe it's called the State Council or State Commission or something is what it's called. Um, they have ordered all movie theaters in the country to be reopened um, and indoor exhibitions, conferences, things of that nature also reopened in China. Well, it's the Italian virus from what I'm told. So there's nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Okay. I found this. This was the best read that I found at uh, Fortune Magazine had this. It's a series of anecdotes. Um, Seven people. Three of them are Americans, I believe. Did you guys read these? No. Okay. Three of them are Americans that are working in China right now. And so they're, they're talking to individual people, three of them Americans, about what their daily life is like. And one of the things that comes out here is that several Chinese cities, including the capital, Beijing, never did a lockdown. That they were just going to work and out to eat with masks. But a buddy of mine whose father, actually, I'll tell you who told me this. Daniel told me this. His dad, his dad has been work, doing work in Asia for decades, travels to Japan and China all the time. And, he'll, and, he's t- and he says, Daniel Horowitz's dad says that they wear masks and stuff in public all the time because they're just dealing with outbreaks and it's just part of the, it's part and parcel with their daily lives. So that's not something that's a major deal to them to be in, to be in Beijing or Wuhan or any of these cities or Japan for that matter and just see all kinds of scores of people any time of the day year round wearing masks just because they have to deal with so many outbreaks and stuff all the time. So they don't stop their life and economies and no, no livelihoods. No, no. I, 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 I mean, this was, I read Americans living there, working there saying this, they had more freedom in China is what you're saying. That's than they what, did in the United States. They could, they, now they could all be lying. That's I'm not, I'm, that's possible. That is possible. But no, they, they said they were going out to eat and stuff like the whole time. There were some minimal restrictions. If there was an outbreak, they would maybe shut stuff down for like a day or two. But like, but you know, I, I, in this magazine, an American says they live they work in Be- live and work in Beijing. The city never shut down. Let me try to connect the dots here. So, big country, different regions, not necessarily all the same. So, <laughs> one solution doesn't fit all. Is is so the, Am whole, I the, the, whole, the whole country's not Wuhan. Huh. The whole country's not Wuhan. Wow, the, that's r- this radical. Whole, this, this whole country is, is New York City, apparently. Yeah. The smoldering pile of ash known as Wisconsin would like to call in and, and disagree with you, Todd. I mean, I, I would think Beijing... Like, I didn't buy, like, the propaganda of, 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 of Xi going to Wuhan a few months ago. Remember that? Without his mask. <coughs> These are communists. That could all be staged. But when an American says to an American publication, I live and work in the capital of China. I mean, you would think if there was any place that they were going to be like under the cover of darkness here, hide out. Because they may not care. The, the, the Chinese council, may, their version of the Politburo, <coughs> pardon me, may not care about the people of Wuhan, but they care about themselves. That's where they live and their families live. So you would think if there was any place that was on lockdown. Like, and when I say, like, you couldn't go from Wuhan to these places. Wuhan was isolated. But because there was an outbreak in Wuhan didn't mean that you couldn't go to McDonald's and 
Beijing. Let me get a drink, Todd Talk or Aaron. <coughs> you know, they're just, let's face it, they're just walking around the streets of China laughing at us right now. We, <coughs> pardon me. Leave my mic off what, for a minute. Regardless of what they knew, when they knew it, uh, how scared they were at the time of anything, it, it, right now, is, is it applies to us, oh, it was worth it. Yeah, I think I'm okay now. Thanks. Uh, that that fortune piece. When I read that one, Mama had to die tonight. When I read that one, that's uh, I was looking for some of the old gangster rap I used to listen to back in the day, and I wanted to hurt people. When I read that, they didn't. An American claiming that they didn't. They didn't shut Beijing down. How about this one? Now this one I think is sketch. Okay. Because I couldn't find this from any, even though CBS is reporting this, they're getting this from China themselves. So this one is sketch. But China is claiming schools are reopened in Wuhan. It was the last city to have them closed. And the CBS story includes pictures of school children returning in their uniforms. There's video there, which if you're a Blaze TV subscriber, you're watching that right now. All right. And you can see some of the kids are wearing like the little kids are wearing like these makeshift makeshift masks. And I'm inclined to believe that this is true because if you were going to fake something, you wouldn't fake putting a bowl with a mask around all of your elementary school kids. You know what I'm saying? Like if you were doing if this was just straight up propaganda, like these kids would be like, you know, spitting on their hands and high fiving, you know what I'm saying? And wrestling around the fact that they are, that you're seeing the precautions going on there and, and they look like an SNL skit from the seventies. Uh, I'm in, is why I included this. I'm inclined to believe there's some truth in this because the, the some of the safety getups that they're making these kids wear in Wuhan are just utterly redonkulous. So I'm inclined to think that this is true. Well, including crowds that big, you know, when, when they're in that picture and they're all spaced, I mean, honestly, Joseph Goebbels is blushing with the notion of uh, six feet separation. I mean, that is one of the greatest pieces of propaganda in all human history, because what happens when all those people get up and go where they're going next? Right, right, right. Come on. Right, right. This is a story Aaron highlighted, uh, one side of it uh, in his montage today. China has, has uh, allowed... Uh, Elon Musk, he's got two plants, one in Shanghai, China, the other in California. And uh, China allowed him to fully open and staff his Shanghai, China operation. Boy, back in early March, I want to say. And California still won't let him open up his U.S. plant. So yesterday, uh, America's, the closest thing we have to Tony Stark went on Twitter and basically said, I'm I'm going all civil disobedience. We're opening up. I don't care what the state says. And you can arrest me if you want, basically. Just, I'm not even sure what you want of me at this from here at this point. I don't like this. When I when when he has to go on social media and say just leave everybody else alone, arrest me if you have to. When when this is going on in China and we we have these Democrat governors that are clearly okay with tanking their state's economony as yeah. long as it hurts Donald Trump. Yes. I, I don't. Yes, that's what I mean. I'm I've reached the point after two plus. I don't. I don't know what to tell you. You you all seem to want the worst case scenario. Well, oh, 
you're going to get it. I, I mean, how, how many how many moguls in the world are more vulnerable right now than Elon Musk is? Don't you believe? Especially, he's out there trashing the, the, the panic porn and everything on Twitter a couple weeks ago. Don't you believe if they were yanking scores of dead bodies out of his Shanghai China plant, they'd have hung him with that. Don't you believe that? Absolutely, they would have hung him with of that. Of course. I mean, no question. Which is why you're going to really love this next one. Are you ready for this next one? No. Yeah, you are. Ready for this? Only six of Apple's 271 U.S. stores are going to be opened by next week. Only six. Do you know, I'm sorry, we're opened. This was yeah. a few days ago, so opening now. Yeah. Okay, all right. Only six out of 271. Every single, same story tells you, every single one of Apple's stores in China and throughout Asia are all open. You know where one of those locations is? I learned this the other day. It's I didn't in Wuhan, even China. Right? No. One of the locations of the Apple stores opening up in, in the United States is. Oh, in the U.S. Yeah. yeah. Which, which, which is where? Anchorage, Alaska. Anchorage, I, Alaska. I didn't even know Anchorage had an, an Apple store. If you can go shop in Anchorage for a new iPhone at the Apple store, but you can't in, I don't know if Alabama is one of the places, or Des Moines. I just walked past it last night. No, you know, nobody's in there. Nobody's doing anything because it's closed down. That's, I mean, Anchorage. You can go get an iPhone in Anchorage, but you can't in Des Moines. We can go See, and get one in. You can go get one in China or in China, you but know. you can't in Des Moines yeah. or in Alabama or in South Dakota. I don't trust Chinese propaganda, but I trust Tim Cook. I, I trust the love of his share price. I trust that, you, and he's not going to risk pulling dead bodies out of Apple stores in Asia. Okay, he's not going to do that. You've made Hunger Games uh, uh, analogies on mm-hmm. the show before, and. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Fu- I mean, I roughly knew them, but w- w- the last couple of weeks, my family has finally watched all four of them, and it's great, I, way better than I thought it was going to be. But the part you never talked about that I, it was uh, the game master. Yeah. I in the beginning, you think it's just the part. It's terrible, but right. it's just a part of the game. But throughout, the game master is like the master of the universe for all of society. It's not yep. just the game. I, j- j- we just totally got game mastered by I, China. I, compl- uh, I came to that conclusion too. I came to the conclusion that I think the opposite may be true. After watching what's going on there, I think it's not so much true that they underestimated the virus for the world, but may have actually done the opposite. May have overestimated it. I mean, all of their economic competitors, what what state are they in right now? What state are they in right now? Complete oblivion. Meanwhile, let's go to this next one. Disney. Disney opened up its Chinese theme park in Shanghai yesterday. Had temperature checks. You had to wear masks. And they had social distancing boxes. Boxes. Other than that, every ride open, every restaurant open, everything open. They could only bring in 30% of their capacity. So they could only see 30,000 visitors to Shanghai Disneyland yesterday. And you know how many people showed up? 30,000. It sold out. Got to turn people away. Meanwhile, there's police tape around your neighborhood playground yeah. in Wisconsin. Yep. They had to turn people away. They sold it out. Day one. Day one. And that's Disney saying this. Again, I don't trust I don't trust China. 
But I, I, Disney, I'm guessing yes. Disney wants it, it cares about its share price. Do you think, I, I'm guessing Disney, Apple, Elon Musk all care about their investors and share prices. Do you think that's poss- that's probably true? Come full circle and reset the bed intruder thing because that's what needs to be said. Now, it's not all wine and roses, okay? Here's a story from about a week ago. Yao Ming, who is the president, the former NBA star, who's the president of, well, actually, just a couple of days ago, this story. He's the president of the China Basketball Association. He says they're, they're still having some of the same struggles with the reopening that our NBA is. And they're looking at basically the exact same three options, including a tournament to finish the season, like what the NBA has been talking about. So it does appear when it comes to mass indoor sporting events, China is still very hesitant about giving the green light to that. But everything else indoors and anything outdoors, it appears China is saying, go get them. We're just going to phase people back in rather than just let an entire throng of people all show up. But it, it kind of looks a lot like Sweden from what I found. <sighs> when your life is in chaos... Uh, when your home is your safe, that means your home is your safe haven, your most important asset. But do you own it? Don't be so sure. Imagine getting evicted for non-payment of a loan that you never took out. This happened to Deborah, and it's happening everywhere. It's called home title theft, and the FBI calls it one of the fastest growing crimes in the country, which is why you want to check out Home Title Lock. All right, because your home's title is kept online where thieves know they can get there, forge your signature, and then your home's title to themselves and legally own your home. Your bank doesn't protect you, neither does your insurance. The only way I know to avoid this happening to you is with Home Title Lock. Go to HomeTitleLock.com right now, register your address to see if you're already a victim, and use your promo code STEVE for 30 free days of protection to get you through this crisis. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. Again, use the promo code Steve to get 30 risk-free and free days of protection for your home right now at HomeTitleLock.com. Back to what I said a minute ago, gentlemen, do you think it is possible that the propaganda is, is, is the opposite of what we believe? That they didn't undersell the virus? Do you think it's possible they oversold it? What? Why? Because their people are going back to Disney while we are doing uh, chalk lines, but at I mean, motivationally, why why did they oversell it? Um, in order to create a panic. Oh, yeah. Okay, I just wanted yeah. to be I, and, I, I panic and get their economic and socioeconomic competitors to to ankle grab, basically. It's, it's buy them. Some, they're they're coming out of a trade war. They're coming out of you know what happened in Hong Kong. I, buy yourself some time. That's why I wanted to be. It's beyond possible. It's likely. Yeah, I, I was not anticipating this, just so you know. I thought I was going to get really bad news. That's why I'm like, well, maybe, no. I got, I got worse news, actually, that life there is better than I thought it was, hoping it was going to be. <laughs> All right, we're going to stick around and do some overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers for the rest of you. We'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy that warm fuzzy and your quarantine. John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.